If you could ask God, what's the best way to attract a person of the opposite sex in a way that would really honor you and work out for me too? You want to know what he'd say? Well, stick around. That's today. Welcome to this edition of Living on the Edge with Chip Ingram. We are a discipleship-driven ministry on a mission to encourage Christians everywhere to live like Christians. Thanks for joining us as we wrap up our series, Love, Sex, and Lasting Relationships. And let me tell you, based on the calls and emails we've received, this has been a powerful and life-changing study for a lot of people. So if you've missed any part of this series, catch up at livingontheedge.org or through the Chip Ingram app. Okay, go in your Bible now once again to Ephesians chapter 5 for the remainder of Chip's message, Wake Up World, There's a Better Way to Do Relationships. He begins by laying out how Christians can be a part of the second sexual revolution based on biblical principles. Let's dive in. Number one, a revolutionary way to think about human sexuality will be required. Okay, if you're going to answer the call and be a part of a second sexual revolution, you've got to think completely differently about sexuality. Number one, sex is sacred. It's not casual. Sex is about knowing and communication. When the Bible says Adam knew Eve and then they had offspring... It's a very interesting Hebrew word. It, it has to do about knowing and caring and connection. When David sinned with Bathsheba, the word for used for sex there is David lay with Bathsheba. It was a transaction. She was used. We're going to sex is sacred. It's holy. It's not casual. It was never intended to sell stuff or get us excited. Sex is sacred, and all things sacred, they have mystery. It's not hooking up. There's a, there's, there's a mystery. It's not, some, it's not about just bodies coming together. There's a, there's a mystery of knowing. There's something that happens in your soul and your heart and communication and growing of a relationship where the culmination of that and the physical act of sex is God looks down from heaven and says, this is a life-giving, life-uniting act that typifies what's happening in the hearts and the souls of people. And I bond them together and is a testimony of Christ's relationship to the church. He writes in Hebrews chapter 13, marriage is to be held in high honor among all and the marriage bed is to be undefiled. In other words, it's sacred. It's holy. And then he adds, for fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. See, sex and worship are so closely aligned. The second is that sex isn't just sacred, and you need to teach your kids it's sacred, but it's serious. It's not just a little thing on the side, and you know, you're going to sow your wild oats, and it really doesn't matter what you think, and you know, it doesn't matter how you dress. And it does, it's serious. Listen to what the Scripture says in 1 Corinthians he says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? In other words, you belong to Christ. Shall I take away the members of Christ and make them members with a prostitute? May it never be. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For the scripture says, quoting from Genesis, the two shall become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one in spirit with him. Application, flee immorality. Flee immorality. 
Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body. But the immoral man or woman sins against his own body. Paul, I mean, he's speaking to this group in this society that, I mean, they don't need the internet. It's everywhere. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you're not your own? For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. And so, you know what? That starts with me. Sex is sacred and sex is serious. And then as a parent, I teach my kids that early on. See, what, what, what happens is we don't say anything. And when they're nine, they see something you don't know about. And when they're 11, they're already talking about stuff that you thought doesn't happen at 11. And by the time they're 13, their view of sex is already completely distorted. You got to teach them early and often. Number two, a revolutionary way to attract the opposite sex. So we got to think differently, but we got to attract them differently. The world says sex appeal, physical attractiveness, seductive dress, focus on bodies. We live in a world, and I want to say this sort of in a sanctified way, that all attraction is around breasts and biceps. And you have kids and single people and us and people that have been divorced and getting back into, I mean, we think it's all about the externals. And saying it's not and intellectually saying, well, I know that's really not what the real issues are, doesn't bring about any changes. I was uh, with a guy that did a lot of work and consulting for uh, mergers and acquisitions. And um, he developed a, a whole theory and, uh, that he used with multiple companies about mergers and acquisitions and what makes for partnerships and why they fail and why they don't. And he taught me one lesson, and it was really a great one. He said, Chip, here's what you need to understand about when people are, are working with one another and you're trying to pass on values and what's going to work and what's not, do not listen to their words. Only listen to their behavior. Just listen to their behavior. He said, oh, we're in this. We're, we're sold out. Whatever it takes. Uh, you do this, we'll do that. He goes, he goes just, I just completely eliminate people's words. Listen to their behavior. Let me ask you, parents, if I just listen to your behavior about what you're communicating with your kids by your lifestyle, if I listen to just the behavior of single people in this church, what you're communicating about how you're attracting the opposite sex, if I just listen to your behavior of those of you who are widowed or divorced and you're kind of back in the game and where you go and what you're doing and how you're trying to attract the opposite sex, are you doing it God's way? or with this defunct model that is, for most of us, it's the only thing we knew. Listen to God's way in 1 Peter chapter 3. It's addressed to women, but the application is absolutely for both sexes. It's a group of women that were trying to figure out, um, how can I get my husband on board? And nagging hasn't worked. And so the apostle Peter writes, your adornment must not be merely external, the braiding of the hair, the wearing of gold jewelry, or the putting on of dresses, but let it be with the hidden person of the heart, with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of the Lord. And basically what he's saying in that day is, I mean, they dressed really super seductively. Oh, in that day, I guess we do that now too. And so are you ready? I want to give you a game plan to attract the opposite sex and a game plan to teach your children how to attract the opposite sex. And so it's I-O-U. You know what an I-O-U is, right? You, you write that out and you say, I owe you. You know, you give it to that person, I owe you. So this is an I owe you that you owe to God. 
This is an IOU that you owe to yourself. And this is an IOU that you owe to that person or that partner that is going to be the person that you want. The I stands for, you want to track the opposite sex? Inward character. Inward character. You need to be the kind of person that you want to attract. You need to be the kind of person that you want to attract. You are looking for a loving, kind person who keeps their word, who is other-centered, and who is generous. You need to be that kind of person. You need to teach your kids the best way to attract a godly, kind, unselfish, high-integrity, faithful, loving, loyal person is to be a faithful, kind, love, right? See, you always get what you advertise for. And we got, we got our little girls and our not-so-little boys inundated by the world system, inundated by commercials, wearing and dressing and acting in ways that attract exactly what they get. I'm thinking about your daughter. I'm thinking about an 18-year-old in the room. I'm thinking about a single person who's 26, and you know, to be sexually pure means you don't get very many dates. I'm talking about a divorcee who's 51 years old and you know, you're lonely and you're hurting and it seems like the only men, Christian or not, say, unless we sleep together, I don't think I want to date you. And everything in you goes, well. And there's a way that seems right to a man or a woman, but the, the end thereof is it's death. So the way we attract is first inward character. The second is outward modesty. Outward modesty. And you know what? It goes both directions. You know, and how many, how many guys, you know, young guys are always buying one shirt too small? You know? And how many girls realize that, you know, if you wear it low, you get a lot of attention? And people, I'm just, can you hear me? We're, we're creating train wrecks inside the church. And they say, why can't we watch this movie? Or why can't we go here? Or why can't we do that? And you know what? I was, I was you know, I've been a pastor. I have all these grown kids now. And, you know, we, we made some predecisions, And they just thought I was terrible. And when I said, you know, we're not doing that here. Or when we got up and left a movie because of some of the images that came on. It was like, my, my dad is nuts. And uh, all the other kids in the church can do this. And, you know, you know, they do that. And I just said, you know what? I just love you more than they love their kids. I'm serious. That's what I would tell them. They didn't like it. But, you know, as a parent, here's the deal. you got to decide whether you want to be popular with your kids and be their best buddy and friend and then have all the fallout or be a dad or a mom who loves them and gently models and tells them the why and, and, and says, you know, I know it's difficult, but we're going to not start dating till this age, and we're not going to look at that kind of stuff, and we're going to not do that because guess what? There's a beauty that you don't want to miss. And the way you're going to attract that kind of person is to have inward character, outward modesty, and then are you ready for this last one? You've got to have upward devotion. You've got to be a young man or a young woman or a single person or a mom or a dad or a not-so-young person that, you know what, upward devotion. You're listening to Living on the Edge with Chip Ingram. We'll get you back to our series, Love, Sex, and Lasting Relationships, in just a minute. But first, if this teaching has ministered to you, consider becoming a monthly partner. Your regular financial support goes a long way to help us encourage pastors, create resources, and share Jesus with today's youth. Visit livingontheedge.org today to learn how to support us. Well, with that, here again is Chip. This was a journey for me, and I've tried to share it along the way and be honest about it. 
But when, when I finally began to walk through the process of what God really wanted, I made a commitment that, number one, um, I was going to find a girl that when my relationship with her, that she would inspire me to walk with God. That it wasn't, it wasn't like, well, is she a Christian? Well, she's sort of a Christian, or uh, yeah, she goes to church, or, you know, I think God's sort of a part of their life. You want to attract them by being a person of great character, and you want to help your kids become people that, that dress with modesty, sharp. I don't mean old-fashioned. I don't mean legalistic. I don't mean weird. I mean modest and wise. There's mystery. And finally, where there's an upward devotion, where what you help your children, I'm speaking to parents here especially, and, and for you, is that, you know what? <laughs> if, if you're not in God's word, if you don't talk to God, if you're not in some sort of a small group, no one can do this alone. And so the revolution is going to start with thinking differently. It's attracting differently. And third is relating differently. You got to relate to the opposite sex in a different way. There's a revolutionary way to relate to the opposite sex, not as an object to capture or even a person to find, not for romance or for recreation, but I want to give you three pictures of how to relate to the opposite sex. Number one, as a friend. Start there. I don't care if you're 55, 62, or 16. Start with being a friend. Jesus said this, John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that you lay down your life for your friend. The moment you make it romantic, the moment you pair off, the moment you go down that path, now you start posing. Then it's got to be about the externals. The real you doesn't show up. You be a friend with someone. Teach your kids, oh, I'm interested, or I like him, or I like her. Great. Become friends. Hold back the emotions. Hold back the romance. The percentage of people that, when they go steady, this Utah study, when they begin and go steady in ninth grade, those who go steady, sexual rate skyrockets. They're not ready to pair off. Become friends. Unpopular, but helpful. Second, not only become friends, um, become family members. The Apostle Paul is writing to a young pastor, and I'm assuming that because he's a young pastor, he has hormones like everybody else. And Paul writes to Timothy and says, do not sharply rebuke an older man. He's talking about family relationships in the church, but rather appeal to him as a father, to the younger men as brothers and the older women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters in all purity. Teach your kids, and you act like, become friends, and then treat them like a brother and a sister. And you say, well, what's that really mean? Well, how do you hug your brother and sister? You hug them, don't you? But there's certain ways you'd never hug them, right? How do you express affection to a brother or sister? Well, you express affection and you touch them, don't you? But there's certain places and certain ways you would never touch your brother and sister, right? What, what would happen if you learned, I'm going to be friends and I'm going to treat this person like a brother or sister in Christ? So that what I would realize is that if sex is sacred and sex is serious, I realize that this may not be the person for me, but their experience with me should prepare them for that right person instead of me being a bad memory of someone who exploited them. Third, you attract them as a follower of Christ. Hebrews 10, 24, consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. So you're asking yourself, this, this is what you want to teach your kids, and this is what we want to do. You're in a relationship, you're friends. As your friends, you're family members. And then, then God begins to, there's a real attraction. You begin to build the relationship. 
It may go somewhere, it may not, but your behavior, your speech, and your time together, when you, quote, break up or realize this isn't the right person, this girl would say, or this guy would say, you know, we dated for 18 months, or, uh, you know, my relationship with her and that 18 months caused me to grow spiritually more than any other relationship other than maybe with my parents or in the small group of guys that I'm in. And I will tell you what, if you think differently, if you attract the opposite sex differently, and if you relate to them differently, there is a vision, there is a picture. And it is so beautiful. And by the way, no matter where you're at, you can stop and turn and God will forgive and he will restore and he can get you on the right track. But you've got to say, Lord, not now my way. I want to do it your way. I entitled this Wake Up World, There's a Better Way to Do Relationships. And I want to close with a story. And then I want to let you know that when I close with this story, uh, everyone in this room knows, you know what? If I'm going to do it God's way, there's probably something I need to stop, something I need to start, and I have to trust him. But uh, as I was teaching this material, this is the email that I got. I accepted the Lord in high school and was on fire for Christ through college and in my mid-20s. And then I fell away big time. I got involved in three consecutive relationships with women at work, got them pregnant, and went through three abortions. Wouldn't you know it, all three relationships dissolved soon after. Here I am now, greatly blessed in a marriage to a Christ-centered woman. We've been unable to have children of our own. It's been devastating to me in light of the fact that I paid with my own money to kill three babies that were my own. Was sex fun? No question. Was it worth it? I can't scream loud enough, no. Like you said, the deepest desire in my heart was a committed, lasting relationship, and I didn't get that through any of the flings at work. Thankfully, the Spirit finally interceded and gave me an option, and he gives his name. I'll, I'll make it up. Bob, you're to fork in the road. You can either keep the same path you're on to your continued detriment, or you can get your heart right with God your choice. I ran to God without ever looking back, and I've been in fellowship with the Lord and with believers ever since. Crossroads. Crossroads. What do you need to do to stop? What do you need to do to start? And it begins with the decision. You don't slide out of sexual impurity. There's a little farmhouse of two people that gave me a picture that said, that's what I want. God wants something great for you. You're listening to Living on the Edge with Chip Ingram. In the message you just heard, Wake Up World, There's a Better Way to Do Relationships, is from our series, Love, Sex, and Lasting Relationships. Chip will join us in studio to share some insights from today's talk in just a minute. Everyone desires to love and be loved. It's built into our DNA. So why are wholesome, committed relationships so hard to find and hold on to? Through this 10-part series, Chip painted a more satisfying picture of love than what you'd find at any relationship workshop or dating site. We hope you discovered the truth about romance, sex, true love, and marriage the way God intended it. Let me encourage you to go back and revisit any part of this series by going to livingontheedge.org. That's livingontheedge.org. 
Well, Chip's in studio with me now. And Chip, you know, in recent years, you've developed a genuine passion for reaching the next generation. Well, take a minute, if you would, and tell us what's behind that. Dave, I can tell you exactly what's behind that. Hmm. I've got 12 grandkids. The oldest is 19. The youngest is four. And I've got adult children that are living in this world. And what I know is that the number one influence in kids' lives is not the youth pastor. The number one influence isn't media. It's not social media. It's not even TikTok. What I see happening is parents and grandparents not realizing the person that has the most influence is you. Uh, When we talk about reaching the next generation, in my heart, what I want to think about is I want to give hope to sons and daughters. And hope comes from a mom who walks with God, a dad who walks with God, or a single parent who in the midst of it all says, I'm going to model the Christian life. I'm going to trust God in the midst of the pain. We're going to sit around the table and we're going to eat together. And at Living on the Edge, we are creating resources for moms and dads. Uh, We're doing things to reach directly into the lives of teens. We're addressing those issues like gender fluidity and all the things that parents are dealing with. If you care about your kids and if you care about your grandkids and living on the edge is a part of your life, could I ask you very directly, will you financially partner with us? We need your help. Go to livingontheedge.org. That's livingontheedge, all one word, dot O-R-G, and make a gift. Help us reach the next generation. Well, if you believe in that mission and want to join the Living on the Edge team, now is a great time to partner with us. Your financial support helps us create resources, produce broadcasts, and more. To send a gift, visit livingontheedge.org or call us at 888-333-6003. That's 888-333-6003 or go to livingontheedge.org. App listeners, tap donate. And thanks for giving whatever the Lord leads you to give. Well, here again is Chip with a few final words. As we close today's program and wrap up the entire series, I hope that God has spoken to you and literally given you a fresh desire to do relationships His way. You know, of all the things, I've counseled so many people over the years, and I would say 90% of them are about relationships that aren't working, whether it's a dating relationship or whether it's a marriage relationship. And, you know, God has a plan. But here's my question. Do you really want a love that lasts, sex that's exciting and holy, and a relationship that is fun and meaningful and where there's real connection and intimacy? And if so, all I want to tell you is listening to this or even reading the book is great exposure. And it's a completely different paradigm. I mean, God's formula versus Hollywood's formula is like night and day. One works and one doesn't. But here's what I would challenge you. If you're serious about that, if you really want it to happen, it's going to take a commitment. And the things that get down deep in your heart that become convictions rather than I ought to do it that way, but under pressure, I probably won't, is getting with a group of people and saying, let's all get the book, let's read a chapter each time, and we'll do the questions at the back and get really real. Or maybe better, you know, get the small group resource, watch the video, and then sit down together 
and talk about what would it look like, you know, a group of gals or a group of guys or, or you know, maybe some couples. Or if you're thinking about where do you want your junior hires, high school or college students to be in the future, this is something that you have to teach them. And what I find is you long for it to happen, but it's not going to happen in our culture, even in the church, if it's not taught, discussed, and applied. God's dream for every relationship is intimate, deep love relationship that lasts emotionally, physically, psychologically. Here's my challenge. If you really want it, lean in and do the work, and God will show up. Thanks, Chip. Well, if you'd like to get plugged in with any of the resources Chip mentioned, go to livingontheedge.org. There you can also download Chip's message notes or listen to any part of this series. We want to help you learn as much as possible from this foundational series, so visit livingontheedge.org today. For Chip and the entire team here, this is Dave Drewy thanking you for listening to this edition of Living on the Edge. Living on the Edge.